What up everybody and welcome back to another fun-filled web-slinging, costume designing, <laughs> costume discussing, but mostly web-headed episode of Shenanah Rambles, the place where we talk about pop culture, ramble, banter, video games. Generally, we try to have a good time. My name is Shenanigans. My name is A-Game. And we're going to get straight into it because I'm dealing with a very diva-like A-Game today because she doesn't want to talk about this. She wants to get to the good stuff. She <laughs> wants to get to the action. She wants to get to the fun, the adventure, the... Spoilers. The spoilers <laughs> of Spider-Man No Way Home, fresh out of the cinema, in our seats, ready to discuss it with you guys, hopefully. I, we hope. It's most likely going to just ramble and... It's going to be bad, but we're going to discuss it today. After. After, yes. As I said, I'm dealing with a very grumpy A game. So, we're going to hit it. We're going to hit the ground running. We're going to jump straight into the list because I'm sure we've got a lot to say about Spider Man. And I know that it is taking a lot, <laughs> a lot to keep A game seated and discussing this one. So, glares. The top 15. Worst superhero costumes from a movie ever. Okay? And we're doing movies rather than comic books because I haven't read many. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that That was my... Concession. I don't know if it's concession, but yeah, that was my line of thinking. I thought most people have seen the cinematic universe in some way. Comic books, not so much. So I wanted to keep this more broad. So everyone can be like, oh, yeah, I remember that costume. I saw that film. Or what the hell are they talking about? I guess I could just go see that film or stream it or whatever, you know. Google the pictures. Google pictures, which is what I did. <laughs> so starting at number 15, I'm not going to say this is necessarily going from worst to best or vice versa. It's just 15 of them. Number 15, Juggernaut from X-Men Last Stand. Do you remember this one? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones? He played the Juggernaut. And, yeah, it was... It I remember was, the bit on his head came in handy. That's about it. Well, yeah, the Juggernaut in the comics wears a huge dome helmet that goes over his head and neck and basically connects to this large chest piece that goes over his shoulders and torso, I guess. But in the film, he's wearing, like, some sort of BDSM gimp-like leather costume. It's all... It's weird. It's both business and pleasure. It's for business and pleasure. And the helmet is functional because it's just got this huge... He doesn't have to use his head <laughs> to it... smash through walls. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, the Deadpool movie did a better depiction of Juggernaut in sheer size, stature, and just the helmet itself. Uh, I like Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones? I can't remember his name. Is it Vinnie I can't Jones remember the Jones? Juggernaut in Deadpool. Um, so Deadpool 2, there's that big, massive Oh, the chase guy scene. that's locked up. And it's the guy that's locked up, and he's like, and he breaks free, and he's like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm such a huge fan. And then he rips him in half. Oh dear. Yeah, I think, yeah, vaguely I do. Yep. Yeah, so, it's a, yeah, it's a thing. Anyway. It's a why. It, it's why a why. Why did they do that? Ah, look. Early 2000s were a crazy time, especially with that X-Men franchise. And that was from The Last Stand. That was... Yeah, I remember which movie it was from. That wasn't a great X-Men film. Anyway, moving on. Number 14, 
is El oh god is Electro from the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man Two. Now this is very divisive within itself. Mm. We won't touch on this one too much, I guess. We won't, but I could discuss this one. Okay, so <laughs> you tell you try and sell me on why the Electro from the Amazing Spider-Man Two looked good. I don't know. I wasn't going to. I was going to say that you like his new costume better. I like the comic book one. I like the MCU See, one. See, I haven't seen the comic book one. People, I read that it's brightly coloured. Yeah, he, it's black, green and yellow. Okay. Uh, very super. I honestly don't remember him spandex. even wearing a costume in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I just remember him, like, pulsing with electricity. That's it. Yeah, he was a blue man. Yeah. He was a blue man. At some point, he wore like a bit of a green and black latex outfit type thing, but he just looked weird, and I did not like it one bit. <laughs> and I like electro, and I like electricity powers in video games. I love indeed, using electricity powers. So. Sorry? You do indeed, very much so. But yeah, the amazing Spider-Man 2's electro, just woof, woof, not good. Woof. Not good, in my opinion. Um, what does it Oof. have anything interesting to say here? Jamie Foxx, yep, he reprised his role. That was cool. Um, yeah, totally inaccurate. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it says here, thrown together, whatever, just to make it look gritty and dark. And I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> number 13. Like I said, I honestly didn't think he had a costume. Yeah. Number 13. Th number 13, Apocalypse from X-Men Apocalypse. I think this was the last X-Men film, film I saw, and... Well, yeah, because wasn't the next one all about Jean? I can't the remember. Phoenix. I really... I liked First Class. I liked Days of Future Past. Yeah. And then after that, I think I stopped caring. Okay. I, I, I know I've seen Apocalypse. I cannot tell you much about it. Other than, hey, Storm was in it and Olivia Munn played Psylocke. I felt bad for Magneto in that film. I don't even remember what happened to him. Oh, his daughter got killed. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'll believe you. <laughs> uh, yes. Apocalypse's outfit was weird for someone who's supposed to be from ancient Egypt. Didn't really make sense. No, like Apocalypse... Apocalypse. And I, in... I'm, I'm, from what I've seen of the comics, he's supposed to look big and buff. Yeah, he's larger than life. And he didn't. He he's was obviously a big life. guy, but he didn't really look all that intimidating. He looked weird. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like, he was you intimidating at... when he used his powers, not when he was just standing there. Well, you look at uh, Thanos from the MCU. Yeah. CGI, but... He's huge. He's huge. He's impressive. He's scaled. Like, he is larger than most normal people. Because he's a titan. And then, for the Apocalypse film, Apocalypse was just the same size. He just wore futuristic Egyptian-inspired armor. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, they've got a note here saying he looks like... Where was it? Uh, Power Rangers, Ivan Ooze. <coughs> so if you've ever seen like the late <laughs> 90s, I think it was, Power Rangers film with Ivan Ooze. Uh, yeah, once you see that, you can't unsee it. I'm with him. I'm with him on that one. Yes, he does. I'm sorry. 
Oh, sorry about that. See, you go see a movie and this is what happens to you. All right, number 12. Yeah, when you go and see the, the first show of the day because you want to see it before anyone else does. Yes. Before spoilers, yeah. <laughs> it's the price we pay to be in this, in the... Uh, industry. In this industry, you have to get out there first, otherwise you're going to be spoiled. Optionally, spoil it for yourself so no one else can spoil it. Mm. It's weird. Alrighty. This one's another divisive one. Number 12, The Thing from the Fantastic Four 2005 film, not the fan stick one. You and I have disagreed on this many, 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 many times. Mm-hmm. I think that the 2005 Avengers Avengers was Fantastic <laughs> Four is above and beyond better than Fan Force The first one is more aligned with the comic books. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've said that. I've said the Fan stick, whatever you want to call it, is very clearly someone... How someone's interpretation. It's a very different interpretation of how those events could have played out. And for that reason alone, any sort of comic book fan people aren't going to like it. We're talking fan stick. Yes. Okay, making sure. I was very confused. However, completely ignoring storyline, fan stick's thing looks more like the comic books. It's shaped the right way. Look, if we're talking aesthetics, let's not get into the story. Don't get into the story. Go purely of aesthetics. I... Okay, so I've got images pulled up in front of me. And comparing the two, I can see... I can see why the Fanforstic one would be regarded better over the 2005 And that's all you need to say. But I don't agree with it necessarily. I mean, yeah, it's just Michael Chiklis in a big latex foam suit, whatever it is. But like, you look, I'm looking at other images of the thing right now from the comics, and yeah, although he's made of rock, he's not all jagged and bits and pieces of rock falling off of him. He's he's smooth, he's rounded, he's defined, and I like that. So, fan the Fantastic Four. Uh, to, sorry, the Fantastic Four thing... Ugh. The thing from the Fantastic Four 2005 the, film lines up more with the, aesthetically the, pleasing for me. The 2005 one, he literally looks like his skin was turned to stone. Okay. That's what it looks like. He looks like his so skin that was, was turned his to size stone. to begin with? Huh? That was the size of him to begin with. I've never seen Fan Forstick. I never, if I can help it, I never will. No, no. In Fan Forstick, the actor who played the thing, he was tiny. He was short and little. So, what made him big? The rock. But all just... the rock that stuck to him. But you just said the skin of the rock that stuck to him. No, I said in the two thousand and five. Oh, okay. Well, look, Fantastic it's very Four. Maybe we should just move on. <laughs> in the two thousand and five Fantastic Four, he looks like his skin just turned to stone. Okay. In your one. That's yep. what it looks like. Whereas yeah. in Fan Stick, he's literally built from rock. Okay. I can see that. My only other objection is he's not wearing pants. No, he doesn't need pants. 
obviously he doesn't need mm-hmm. pants because he's got no genitalia. Yeah, because he's got rocks stuck all over. But if he's rock all over, why doesn't he have a rock cock? Because it's covered. It's... Okay, look, I'm going to cover you in glue yeah. and stick rocks to you. Yeah. Do you honestly think you'd have a rock cock or would you just have rocks covering it? Uh, look, I don't want to get into measurements and sizes here, okay? Because I'm <laughs> you not, would just look like you had anybody. a you look like you have rock underwear on. That's what you'd look like. I just don't want to bring embarrassment to all the men out there who he's wearing rock going, oh. underwear. That's all it is. Rock underwear now. Yeah, he's fabric got turns rocks into rock. stuck all over him. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're not going to. Do, we're not going to agree. <laughs> we're going down a rabbit hole, and I'm trying to keep this train moving so we can get Spider Man for you. <laughs> Number My 11. argument stands. Sorry? My argument stands. Your argument can go stand in the corner, ashamed of itself, because it it's watched Fan Four stick. Number 11, Malekith, well, Malekith, depending on how you say it, I say Malekith, from Thor, The Dark World. Do you remember this one at all? Yeah, of course I do. I love Thor. Okay. So, I... I had no problem with this until I looked up what he's supposed to look like. Yeah. In the comics, he's a bit more flamboyant. He's mm. a bit more brightly coloured, a bit mm. more theatrical. In the film, very bland looking, very forgettable. Well, because he, he's supposed to look like something out of an Asgard children's nightmare. Oh, is that what... It, I, look, Thor The Dark World rates very low on my MCU list. Yes, in Thor The Dark World, the story, the history of the Dark Elves, mm. it's something that was, because it's something, because they believed they were completely gone, defeated dust, it's something that's taught to children as like a, a fairy tale rhyme, a bedtime story. Oh, okay. So it's it's not anything too, it's not anything that's real, it's not anything they have to be worried about. So I assumed the fact that there are some of them still alive, they're supposed to look like I don't know. Something out of something out of a nightmare. Children's nightmare. Okay, so they're that's just supposed just your to be dark and imposing, I think. That's just your interpretation of it? Or is that the actual story? Because I saw the thought I saw Thor the Dark World once. Well well I mean, as as I said, that's all I that's that was when Odin started telling um Natalie. Can't think of her name. Jade. Uh, Jane. Jade. Jane. Thank when you. Odin started telling Jane about the Dark Elves, Thor chimed in that his mother told him those stories as children. So, as I said, I'm assuming it's just because they're no longer anything that exists, anything to be worried about. They're just children's stories. Okay. So they don't come across as anything to be worried about. Yeah. I'll look as I said. I'm going to take your word for it because I do not remember much <laughs> about that film. I think, um, what's her name, Darcy and Selvig. Yes. Uh, that like those were the most remem- memorable bits from that <laughs> film for me. So, yeah, and that th- that weird thing where Thor's standing in sunshine, but Jane's in the rain. I can't remember. And science is magic, and magic is science. Told you. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's bits and pieces I remember, but I do not. I do not remember that story for the life of me. I remember some of the Loki bits. I remember. I liked that movie. I remember bits of it. Ta-da! Yeah. But you have a panache for liking the films that yes, no I one else do, likes. Because I don't analyze. I just watch it and enjoy it. Uh, it's not that I. I'm not talking from an analyt- analytical perspective. I'm just looking at it. 
it was forgettable. That was the thing. It just it didn't have much to it for me. So that's my opinion, though. I <laughs> I'm probably wrong, but I don't care. I mean, I do care, and I'm going to cry about no, it later. No, I but think still. I think because because everyone on Asgard is sort of godlike. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Thor in the first movie was a bit silly. And they're silly when they're at their parties. In terms of them being a warrior race and all that, they're very serious. So I don't think at that point in time for the MCU, I don't think they could have had a somewhat flamboyant nemesis. Yeah. I think at that point in time, their nemesis had to be sort of serious. So that's just how it was. Okay, but they went the other way with... Well, not entirely, but Thor 3, Ragnarok, they went in a more comical direction. Yeah, because hadn't they realised at that point that that would work? Um, what came out I before Ragnarok? I think sort of like a last bit gambit. I'd have to look into it, but I'm sure well, I read somewhere that no, was a because... last bit gambit. Just like Chris Hemsworth is like, just let me like, just let me have some fun. They're like, yeah, all right, yeah, whatever. Because... It's Thor. It's not going to be big. Go for it. Ended up being huge. Yeah, because didn't... didn't I remember you saying to me once that the reason why Thor Ragnarok was not serious and funny was because they realised with Guardians of the Galaxy that people responded to that. Yeah. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy came out, which was silly, and people loved it. Yeah, I mean, that's... You so need... they assumed they could do the same thing with Thor. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at Captain... We're going off tangent here. <laughs> Going off in tangents Rambling. and rambles. Uh, so you look at Captain America 2, okay, Winter Soldier. Mm. That is very found grounded. I was about to say founded. Very grounded in a um, real world scenario. You know, spy well, as real world as <laughs> spy yes. and espionage can get. You know. Yes. It's grounded in a more realistic take. So therefore, you can have a bit more of a serious film. When you're going crazy like adventures in outer space, yeah, it should be fun. You should be having fun and adventure. So, Guardians of the Galaxy lines up with that, and mm. Thor 3, in my opinion, lined up with it very well. That's And I loved Thor Ragnarok. I think it's... Mm. Because I'm not sure if it's my favourite anymore, the, but it definitely was for a while. The first Thor made sense because Thor was being taught a lesson. First so Thor having looked, that serious undertone made sense. Yeah. But yeah, the second one... The second one was a bit of a drag. Mm-hmm. And then... When they did Guardians of the Galaxy, and they did it in that silly manner, and everyone loved it, you said to me that that was why they decided to see if they could do the same thing with Thor. And yeah. they did, and everyone loved it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I loved it. As I said, I think it was my favourite up until, you now, know, recent. Today. Number 10, Emma Frost. <laughs> now, I was reading this. I don't get what they're... Com- I mean, I get what they're complaining about, but at the same time... No, really? I didn't get it either because from what from what I understand of her character in the comics, her character in the comic books wears the same sort of stuff that she wore in the movie, so I don't get it. So in the comics, and I don't know X-Men very well, so bear with me to anyone who is a huge X-Men fan and takes a lot of grievance with my knowledge of it, <laughs> but Emma Frost was part of a group called the Hellfire Club, which did was mentioned in first class anyway the hellfire club excuse me the hellfire club was is a group of a a christoratic 
Am I saying that correctly? I have no Acristor- idea. Christoratic. Aristocats. Aristocratic. Aristocratic. There we go. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I had to remember. Aristocratic um, mutants. Okay. So yeah. they're, they're the top 1% okay. in the financial world. Okay. But they're also mutant. Okay. And um, they have a club that's very eyes wide shut and hedonistic and, oh, let's. And she prefers to po- constantly walk around in her lingerie. She chose to, yeah. I think I think that was her background. She came from the Hellfire Club. Anyway, hedonism, they didn't wear much, eyes wide shut, cults, all that sex parties, wild orgies, keys in the fishbowl, all that drama, all that fun. So anyone who knows me in real life and then I say, I like a hedonistic lifestyle, and then they hear this, not exactly the same. <laughs> Just a little bit different. I mean, I think they did that More in the movie. But from Futura. Wait, that's I, bad. I anyway, think, keep going. I think they did that in the movie to the best of their ability. Whenever she wasn't in somewhere where she had to look presentable, she was usually in her in her underwear. Well, I'm just quickly rereading it now, and like, I mean, like the 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 okay. case. The key scene I'm thinking of is when she walks into the officer's house, she's wearing a dress. But, of course, once she's in the officer's house, she's walking around in her corset, isn't she? Yeah. I'm looking at other images of her now. She's pretty much in a corset or lingerie the entire film. Yeah, that's, that's what fine. I mean. That's eye candy for the masses, but that's their complaint is... Um, and I quote this, does a uh, movie co-starring Jennifer Lawrence, Rose Byrne, and Zoe Kravitz really need to pander this blatantly to teenage boys? Should have been a no-brainer to give Frost a redesigned, classier look, and one suspects if the movie had happened just a few years later, things would have been much more tasteful. Oh, so they actually stuck to what she preferred to wear in the comic books this time, and everyone's complaining. So they say, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, this argument, I get it, I don't disagree with it, but number 10 just feels like it's reaching at, for this one, in my opinion. Yeah. It's like, so you're complaining so that it was comic book accurate, but in the other ones, you're complaining... So it was comic book accurate, but not appropriate for own film. Yeah, look, I mean, you could have just given a, a white latex, not latex, but white leather suit, like a cloak, mm. um, but whatever. No. Oh. Whatever, it is what it is. Mistakes were made, lessons were learnt. Moving on, I've clicked the wrong thing. Number ah. nine is... Loading. Number nine is Cyborg from Justice League. Now, this is not Zack Snyder's Justice League, but the Joss Whedon one released back in 20... <coughs> whatever that year was. Um, my, what's your thoughts? Because I have My thoughts, thoughts. on this one is that this is people people who love Cyborg not wanting to see it changed. Yeah? Yeah. I will take the other road because, because this is my opinion. I didn't like it. Yeah, I'm aware of that. So, fusing a, fusing a person with metal back in the, let's for example say the 80s, would look very different from if they tried to do it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the whole point. They did it today in the movie, and they made it accurate to what it could possibly look like today, which of course means that it does not match up with comic books from decades ago. 
and the idea they came up, the design they came up with then. So you're going right into it. I'm t- I just look at it from an aesthetic point of view. I'm doing aesthetics. Like. Okay. So let me break down what you've said so I can get on the same page. You're saying back when to graft a human body to cybernetic limbs, mm-hmm. it, it the would outcome looked- would have looked very different compared to now. Yeah. Which because, is roughly yeah, when this film is set. Yeah, because the technology was different. Okay. Less precise. More clunky. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I... You don't know how to argue this, do you? No, I don't know how to argue this because we're coming at it from two different angles. So I think it's just one of those agree to disagree. My point of view is, and I want to get back to that, the whole looks different thing. I want to try. Anyway, Cyborg in... I'm not I'm not picking on Joss Whedon. I'm just saying aesthetically Cyborg's look in that film I did not like because there was a lot of gaps, there was a lot of open space, I guess. Like you look at his torso, spe- specifically his torso, not his chest. There is wires and there is a l- very little plating. You look at his arms and his elbow joints and knee joints and everything. They're all just, you know, bolts and hinges and that's it everything was very wiry and skeletal I didn't like that however if you look at Zack Snyder's one especially towards the end um, I cannot remember it exactly but his suit he's, he's working on it with his father I can't remember exactly but the suit morphs and changes and all of a sudden becomes proper plating over his chest and it looks for lack of a better word, sexier. It looks well, better. It looks like, oh, okay, it's not just a skeletal structure. It's not the T-100 with a bit of armor plating on it. Now it actually looks like, oh, this is a working operating machine that is in place of his body and muscles because it's gone. Well, you know, you know, they might have done that on purpose. Oh, yeah, for sure. It I mean, might have there been was a sequel, that, yeah. It might have this- been that he woke up and... His head and his consciousness, whatever, had been attached to the metal body, but that it was just the underneath. And because he was so shocked and so traumatised, he never finished the building. Once he'd accepted that this was his new life, then that was when he had the rest of his body put on, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not disagreeing with... Let's say that Zack Snyder got a second Justice League film, or even a cyborg film to explore it more. And he's, you know, his physique, for lack of a better term, gets more plated and more bulkier, so it looks mm. like a proper armoured suit. Mm. Then, yeah, I'm behind that, because it looks cool. It looks like he's actually got something to him, but... The one that ran through the majority, well, both of them, sorry, I shouldn't mm. say majority. The one who, the this armor suit that ran through Joss Whedon's and Zack Snyder's one, I didn't like. It just looked very scrappy and thrown together. And that's probably the reason why, going to exactly what you said. Yeah. Uh, it could also be that, you know, yeah. it's the mother box technology, so it's alien, so it's meant to look mm. alien. I just didn't like it. But yeah. I, I'm I reckon- spoiled from the comics and, you know, shows like, Teen Titans and all that, where it's sleek and sexy, like he's had it for a while. So I think your point is what yeah, I think, makes it valid. 
Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think he woke up as that process had been done to him, didn't like it, didn't want to accept it, covered it up with clothes, and then once he'd accepted it and once he realised that he could do some good with it, he thought, well, we better deck it out then and make it, you know, fit to go. And that's when they started putting the armour on it, Mm. the external plates and stuff, covering up all of his tendons and his wires. Yeah, that's just my opinion. Weaknesses, covering up his weaknesses. Well... I mean, his weaknesses. Anyway, we won't go into that one. Um, <laughs> number eight, Electra from the 2005 Electra film. Yeah, see, I've seen this film, but I have no idea how closely it follows with comic books. Okay, so... I'd be very surprised if it did, because there was a lot of lore and history in that movie. That didn't make a lot of sense. More or less... More or less, it is accurate without being... It's in the ballpark. Mm. I'll give it that. It's in the ballpark. The the person, whoever wrote this article... But I remember... The they're complaining that it... Again, it's too sexualized. That's his complaint. Yeah, but I remember complaint. looking up at what she actually wears in the comic books, and I remember it being pretty damn similar. Yeah. Well, that's what they're saying. They're like, oh, well, this should have been a redesign. They shouldn't have made it so sexist and, you know... Okay, well, then change candy. it in the comic book. I mean, at the moment, <laughs> she's Daredevil. And she looks awesome. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I get. I mean, and then there's the um, the uh, the Netflix version of Electra, which is now, well, I, I, no spoilers. <laughs> I'm I'm confused. This is news to me. Electra showed up in Daredevil, Daredevil. in the Netflix series. <gasps> what so, did the costume look like? Uh, I don't want to go too far into it <laughs> because we'll end up going down a different ramble, and I'm trying to stay away from that. <laughs> Does it look moment. anything like this one? No. Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. Anyway, point is... Is it less sexualized? Yeah. Oh, dang it. <laughs> uh, point is, yeah, he's com- the person who wrote this is complaining that it is too sexualized, uh, like everything was too skin tight and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, she's like, it's a ninja. Well, and you and know what? Sexy. They should desexualize Spider-Man. Because it's skin tight? Yes. Okay. Why is it the men are allowed to wear skin tight and it's functional? The women wear skin tight and it's sexualized. That is a brilliant point. I do not disagree with you one bit on that. Yes, you can have skin tight clothing without it being sexualized, but I guess that comes down to the male gaze and everything. (laughs) But that's another discussion for another time. (laughs) Number seven, Beast from X-Men First Class. Um... What's he saying? He pretty goofy looking. Beast is especially iffy. From first class. Yeah, from first class. So not, not Beast Kelsey Grammer from Last Stand, but from first class. Um, says he looks less silly in future films like Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. Well, of course he does. They're just getting started. Uh, yeah. Look, Beast is. And besides, Beast was kind of an accident. Like, that wasn't his. Mu- that wasn't fur. his. That wasn't his mutation. He no. made it worse by trying to cure himself. Yeah. So, it sort of hasn't finished yet. He hasn't grown into it in a sort of a way. I don't know. I mean, this the the look of Beast, especially in the first film, um, First Class, is taking heavy inspiration from his cat-like appearance in the Ultimate Universe. 
And okay. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, he does. He does start to look more like a beast in the later films. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo of him from Days of Future Past. But I mean, and I mean, he's in his 70s clothes, but. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, in first oh, class, he was really only a beast for like the last half an hour of the film. Because um, the most most of that film, he was just he just had the feet mutations. It was only when he tried to sort of fix that that he turned into the beast instead. Yeah, I don't know. Me personally, I think they did quite well with Kelsey Grammer's beast. Um, to, it looked more. It harkened back to the X Men cartoons from the nineties. Kelsey Grammer's one, so I'm more aligned with that one than I am with um, Nick. He looked just like a blue man. Else, little bit, yeah. I mean, but but I'm assuming that's the argument here. He's not supposed to look like a blue man. He's supposed to look like a beast. Yeah, but I mean, what's a beast? <laughs> How do you define a beast? I'm sorry, but you need to have more animalistic type facial features. The guy's covered in blue fur, has claws and... No, like he... facial structures, things like that. I mean, he sort of... No. Kelsey Grammer's one, not so much, but yeah. Yeah, that's anyway. what I mean in terms of you're saying the Kelsey Grammer one was good. Keeping this like, one moving. just looks blue. <laughs> Keeping it moving, because we've got to hurry up. We're it is hard to... to do. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Number Onward. six, The Punisher from The Punisher 1989. I've never seen yeah, this. Yeah, we haven't seen this. <laughs> I've never seen this one, but the complaint is... He's not wearing the skull, isn't that what it is? Yeah. He's not wearing the, the his, only uh, thing... sc- uh, skull on his T-shirt. The only thing that Punisher wears in terms of a, a costume is the symbol, and he's not wearing it. Yeah, that's his... Uh, that's I agree, it's stupid. Move his, on. He's... Uh, Emblem? I don't know. Number <laughs> I agree. Six. Number five, <laughs> Enchantress from the Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, just skimpy, hot topic. It was weird. Like, yes, you he... look at Enchantress in the comics, she wears clothing. Yes, she wears a big cape. She wears long, flowing clothes because she is magical. But she doesn't parade around in Aztec bikinis and ringlets and... Okay. She just looked dirty the whole time. She looked like see, when she'd I, been swimming in some filth and then just came out. When I think of the Enchantress from that movie, I think of her at the end when she was at full power. Yeah, that was weird. Like the first thing that isn't pops, the first thing that pops in my head isn't when she was under that dark cloud. But yes, I admit that was weird. It was weird. I but she made sense at the end when she was all clean and full of power. But. Not if she was not supposed to be some sort of Aztec princess. <laughs> so how come? Yes, um, I've just read through it, and like the best thing he's got is uh, they look like they took a whole lot of different ideas, threw it into a blender, and that was her costume. Focus on a bikini, that sort of thing. How come he berates Electra and <laughs> Emma jo- Emma Frost for wearing such skimpy outfits? But because this is Enchantress the- is that's fine. <laughs> Because this is modern day and we should know better. The Aztecs didn't know better. Okay. But then that <laughs> argument can be made even further because Electra, 2005, X-Men First Class, what, early 2010s? Around there? Yeah, but the X-Men First Class is set back in the 50s. Doesn't matter. And then we've got Suicide Squad, which is, what, 2015, 17, somewhere around there? Yeah, I mean, look what Harley Quinn was wearing. Yeah, how come that is all okay? <laughs> you can't pick and choose, guy. You've either got a problem with all of them 
Or the argument should be that Harley Quinn should wear some pants. I, yeah, Harley, if, I like. Harley if Quinn. the Enchantress has to wear a shirt, Harley Quinn has to wear pants. That's the way it goes. I think Margot Robbie would have been very happy with that if she got to wear pants. <laughs> um, I'm not complaining, but for the sake of her comfort, which just for the sake for her sake, which is what the highest priority should be, <laughs> yeah, she should have got to wear pants and not have to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it was the roller skates, if I recall reading the roller skates. No, it was the heels. The heels in Suicide Squad killed her, and the roller skates in, in second one. Birds of Prey, she had to learn how to... Use. Yeah, she had to learn how to use. Well, she did it very well. Oh, she was in that ice skating movie, wasn't she? So, I mean, I imagine they're similar. Yeah, she was, yeah. Um, the Tonya Harley um, and No, they're not. They're not? No, I've rollerbladed and I've ice skated. Very different. Oh, I've never ice skated. Number four, very, very Green Lantern movements. from the Green Lantern film. Yeah. Yeah, this this one was a problem. I understand what they were going for. Yeah, that's that's they shouldn't have. That's the point because he's supposed to be wearing a suit Mm -hmm. that looks like it's skin tight Mm -hmm. and emanating with power. Mm -hmm. So I can understand. But you can do that by having a suit and just a green glow coming off of him. They did that. No, no, no. So the you whole mean, suit... You mean a non-CGI'd suit? Yeah, like... <laughs> here, wardrobe department. This is what it looks like. Here's a modern version of it. <laughs> They're your choices. Pick one of those, make one of those, put them on him, and then, you know, I mean, post-production, I suppose... we'll add a glow around him. We'll give him glowing green eyes. We'll mm. make the ring glow. Like, we'll give it an eminence of power. Yeah. The ring pulses when he starts thinking, like, oh, I really want to do something. It was definitely a no. case of you could see what they were trying to do, but no one liked it. Uh, like when uh, he was what wearing didn't help it, was the film was bad as well. When he was wearing it, he looked, he looked otherworldly. He looked like n- not very human, which is what they're going for because it's it's other it's alien technology, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we could see what they were going for, but no one liked it. The film was bad, and I think that's just. The suit doesn't escape that. Like, some people might go, oh, the suit As always, looks cool. I liked the film. Sorry? As always, I didn't mind the film. Uh, yeah. But then again, it's the only Green Lantern film I have. Um, there's a good one, uh, but it's animated. It's uh, Green Lantern First Flight. That's pretty... That's animated pretty is one. different. And I'm not saying animated's bad, because I will happily okay. watch animated things. I much prefer watching animated Batman than watching Batman movies. Okay. I much prefer that. But in terms of a live-action Green Lantern, it's the only one we've got. Fair enough. If you want to see a really great Batman film, Mask of the Phantasm. Go out, watch it. It is arguably, the, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, Batman film out there. Remind me which one this was. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm was where... Um, all the gang leaders in Gotham start getting taken out uh, by this new villain called the Phantasm. And then they hire Joker because they get desperate. Okay. I'm, I'm really I broad think, stroking I that one. I think I remember which one you're talking about. And yes, that was a good film. It's done by the same people who did Batman the Animated Series. So yep. if you've seen any of that, you're knowing yep. it's qu- you will go in knowing it is of quality. It is really good. 
Another one, uh, Sub-Zero, all about Mr. Freeze. Anyway, <laughs> Rambles. Number three. We've got to hurry this up, man. We're taking way too long on this. Number three is Catwoman. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because this is the 2004 Catwoman oh, yeah. with Halle Berry. I have never seen it, and I've never seen it because I saw the costume, and I saw the. I think I saw the trailer, and I went, nope. <laughs> I'm out. Goodbye. It's not the traditional Catwoman costume, no. But my question is... In, Again, how in, come this one's okay, the others weren't? In, he doesn't complain about this in one. Co- in comic book, in the comic book Catwoman history, what what kind of a person is she before she becomes Catwoman? Um, all depends on... All depends on the origin that you choose to stick with. For the most part, she's... So in Batman Year One, for example, which is a lot of people's... Well, this is how it all started. Yeah. She was a prostitute. And she was trying to accumulate wealth and take advantage of people to better her own life. The Nolan Trilogy does a very loose adaptation of that, where she's a thief, a cat burglar. She's going around stealing... Uh, in, okay. I mean, in Batman Returns, the Tim Burton one, which which is very Tim Burton, it's spooky and weird, and she gets brought back to life by cats. Yeah, I saw that one. Um, because I understood what they did. I understood why they did it. I'm not saying it worked, but I understood why they did it. So in this film adaptation, she is a wallflower. She's a meek, shy, no-confidence woman who works in an office and just constantly gets stepped on, stepped over, whatever. And so when she comes back from the dead and all of a sudden she discovers that she has all these powers, well, has the powers, she's cat-like and can actually do things for herself, uh, she starts getting very confident and that's that's where the costume came from. The, conf- the costume was her way of um, standing proud, I suppose. So you're telling me... The awkward girl with the messy hair and glasses is actually super hot if you take off her glasses and let her hair down. <laughs> is that... She cut her hair, actually. Oh, oh, well, then, uh, excuse me, I take it all back. That's completely different. Wow. <laughs> she embraces her sexuality by cutting her hair and taking off... Was she wearing glasses? I don't know. Did she dress really awkwardly and silly? And no, might, like, no, she just dressed... No, she just dressed kind of drab. Okay. As I said, I yeah, I understand where they were going with it because, I mean, it's, I don't know, in the beginning she walked head down, shoulders hunched in, long sleeves, long dresses. Very much don't look at me. By the end of the film, she's well. wearing that outfit that you see her in, she's walking with her shoulders back, and she's strutting. So all you're saying is, if a girl looks sexy, she'll have confidence. No, I'm saying that if someone feels confident like. in themselves, they can dress sexy. But should they have to? No, they don't have to. But she's never done it before. That was her way of declaring to herself and everyone else, I got this. I think you need to stop trying to defend this film. I'm not... No. No, I'm defending the film. Stop defending it's- the film. <laughs> it's widely regarded and awarded... As one of the worst films. That's fine. Just let it go. That's fine. I'm just saying that I understand why they went in that direction with the costume. I'm not saying it works or that they should have done it, but I understand why. 
Number two, everyone <laughs> in the Batman and Robin film by Joel Schumacher. Uh, for those who don't know, this is where the bat nipples joke comes from because Robin and Batman in their suits have nipples. Don't know why. And this is the one that has Two Face and the Riddler in it. No, that was that was a Joel that was Joel Schumacher, but that was before um, this one. This one is where Batgirl joins and Uma Thurman creates... Sorry, Uma Thurman is Poison Ivy and Poison Ivy creates Bane and Victor Freeze... Sorry, um... Oh, God, Does this one have Robin now. in it? Mr. Freeze is uh, Arnie. Does this one have Robin in it or is this the one before Robin? No, this is this one does have Robin in it. Okay. You don't remember? No. Haven't you seen this one? No, I think I have. No, I know I have. I know I have. I know I've seen this film because I remember Uma Thurman and I remember Arnie. I just don't remember the Robin that's in it. Uh, That's Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, thank you. But I don't remember there being two films with him in there. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Because the second one is the one with uh, Kidman in it. No, the first one is um, Kim Basinger. Second one, or Basinger. Second one is... uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, third one is Nicole Kidman. She gets a... Can't do it now. No. She gets one of them. Uh, fourth film is and Al McPherson. Many... Oh, and how many have Chris O'Donnell in them? Two. The last two. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Okay. Everything is accentuated. It's weird. <laughs> yes. I, I remember... I remember the outfits for all of them, yes. They're very, very ostentatious. And the number one worst superhero movie costume ever. Oh, oh Jack Pooley. That's who wrote this. Uh, is Deadpool from the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. This is the one where he's got all those weird texture marks on him. His swords come out from his arms, but they're twice as long as his arms. And uh, his mouth is sewn together and melted over it's they're not texture marks it's weird it was not a good look they're not texture marks they're the same marks that wolverine had just before his surgery they show you where to like make the incisions and where to make the injections so they were texture marks (sighs) they're not texture marks then what are they well they're not tattoos because if we're going by your logic that they had him on Wolverine, he still doesn't have him. Which begs the question, if you tattoo Wolverine, will it heal? Alright, fine, yes. They're made by Texter, but they're Thank not you. weird. They're there for a reason. He's about I to... get they're there for a reason, but they're weird. They're not weird. They're he, weird. They're not weird because they make him look like an experiment. That's the whole point. I know he's meant to look like <laughs> an experiment, but people don't want to see Deadpool the experiment. They want to see Deadpool as Deadpool. Well, you know what? They wouldn't have gotten the Merc Deadpool with a mouth. if they hadn't Literally, seen Deadpool. Literally, that's the... his tagline. The Merc with a mouth. And what did they do? Melted his mouth. So, why? Did it cost too much? Did it cost too much to have Ryan Reynolds appear but not talk? Who knows? It was a weird choice. It made sense in the story, though. Did it? It did, yes. Did it? It did, yes. You are re- uh, You and I will never see eye to eye on some films. It is 
a shame. It made it was the first words out of Wolverine's mouth. Everyone wanted him to shut up. Of course they wanted him <laughs> to shut up. That's the point. <laughs> so then you take away like his greatest superpower, which is his mouth. Yeah, but Deadpool in the Deadpool we all know and like. Oh, actually, no, that kind of doesn't work. I was about to say he wasn't an experiment, but he was. Of course he was. My bad. <sighs> Voluntarily experiment. <laughs> Whatever. So that's it. Top 15 worst superhero costumes. Well, you know what? Out of the you, way. Done, dusted. Moving could, on. Can to... I say one parting shot? No. You could say that... I said that, no. That is the number one worst because they know that because they fixed it. That's true. In Deadpool 2, that was awesome. Just to see that Wade... Sorry, just fixing it up. I'm sorry. Get out of your way. I meant they fixed it in that they gave us a better Deadpool, but all right. I meant in the end credits where <laughs> he goes back in time and he like he sees Ryan Reynolds and he kills him because he's like, I've got the Green Lantern script. You did it. Kills him. <laughs> goes back, kills himself again, playing Deadpool in the X-Men Wolverine Origins film. Yeah. Done. Done? You Done. happy now? Yes. Okay. So, at this point in the podcast, thank you very much for joining us, guys. <laughs> if you have not seen No Way Home, stop listening. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this is where we're getting into the spoilers. We've done very well to not get into it at all. I did a lot better than I thought I was going to, that's for sure. But I said this... something. Sorry? I said something spoilerish. Rude. So, this is your last <laughs> stopping point. If you haven't seen the film, you do not want to be spoiled. Check out now. Leave now. Thank you very much for joining us. It's appreciated. We hope you liked it. Check us out on Shenanigans Gaming, wherever on YouTube. We do stuff. Um, gaming, banter. We don't just ramble. We also play video games. Yeah, we don't just ramble. We also play video games. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. Moving on. For those of you still here. For those of you still here. Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, apologies about the interruption, folks. We had to take a small reprieve because as we started to discuss this, it was made very apparent <laughs> that someone hadn't seen Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire. So. Just since been corrected. So we had to go <laughs> rectify that horrible, grievous, despair. Despicable mistake and introduce a game to the legend and the meme that is Bully Maguire. No. You don't like Bully Maguire? No. Everyone loves Bully no, Maguire. No, you could have just shown me the Sandman bits and the best friend bits. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, you want me to just ramble off some bits and pieces. Because I took some notes. We came out, I took some notes. Yeah? I need you to prompt me. I, I will talk about it. I loved the movie. I've got lots of things to talk about. But I don't know how... I can't just launch into them. I need prompt. Okay, well... You prompt me. I've tried to break it down as best I can oh, from memory in mm -hmm. the order of the film. So, first act, second, okay. and third. I've also got a couple of questions in here. Uh, so... Do you just want me to rattle through the list and we'll just talk? Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> film picks up mm -hmm. instantly where the end credit sequence from Far From Home leaves us. Well, yeah, you would hope so. 
And it was amazing. Like the first 20 to 30 minutes of the film for me was just absolute chaos <laughs> surrounding the ramifications of this reveal to the Poor world. Poor MJ got flung around the city. <laughs> yeah, that was all right. It was just, it was cool. It was just, you. there was so much happening and so much going on. And just when you think there's a reprieve, nope, bang, there's something else going on. Aww. I really enjoyed the, the I, I liked the chaos and I liked that it, it showed every facet of his life. <laughs> and you liked the lawyer scene. I loved the law. Look, he's a really good lawyer. Okay. So, spoilers for those oh, who that haven't was so seen cool. it. But it is confirmed. It was confirmed by Kevin Feige that uh, Charlie Cox would be the daredevil of the MCU. Well, Charlie Cox appears as Matt Murdock in the first 20 minutes, half an hour of No Way Home as Matt Murdock. So, therefore, everything that happened in the Netflix series. Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, Defenders, Jessica Jones, all exists. It all happened, and that's further compounded by the fact that Vincent D'Onofrio appeared in the Hawkeye series, in the mm -hmm. Disney Plus show. He did. As Kingpin, which it's I was very excited connected. about. It's connected. It's anyway, all one big universe. It is very cool that they did that. It talk about connecting one big universe. <laughs> For those who don't know, I, I'm sorry, I'm going off track already. For those who don't know, this film spans out across the universe <laughs> within the film and our own universe to include Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and their canonical lore in Spider-Man No Way Home with Tom Holland. Like, it, 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 I can't think of any other film <laughs> ever that has done that. And it had a little bit of venom in it. And it had a little bit of venom. There was some Sony-verse <laughs> Sony stuff going on there, uh, which just... I've got a, a note about that later on. Anyway, film opens up. We see all that. It shows every aspect of his life. We see what his life is like now at school. Mm, I loved that bit fun. with the teachers. You got uh, the, you got JB Smooth. Uh, I cannot remember the other guys. Hannibal Burris and I, I probably. You remember the teachers, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Like, do you remember that bit? Obviously not as well as you do. I thought that was so funny. Like, he walks up the stairs and the three teachers are standing there. And two of them are on his side. The two from Far From Home are on his side. Like, oh my God, thank you so much. It's such a big deal. Oh, by the way, we made this showcase dedicated to oh, you. Oh, God, I And then the this. PE teacher from Homecoming, the first film is just like, <laughs> Mysterio was right. Mysterio was right the whole time. He's like, I just didn't know. I don't care. <laughs> it was... Oh, this film, I have to say this, this film was everything I wanted it to be and did better than I expected. Yes. Like, I'm yes, riding on a high from it, but I loved this film so much. <laughs> so, so we much. We want to see it again. I would love to see it again. I really would. I told would. you I wanted to see it again after we just saw well, it. Well, we got things to do. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we see his high school life. We see what his relationship with MJ is now like, where he just, he can't see her. Mm. Uh, we see what his home life is like. Like that whole shot uh, when they arrive back at home at, at um, Aunt May's. And he's trying to close the blinds. He's trying to close all the blinds. 
and they've been walked in on and Happy Hogan and Art May are breaking up. Like, there is so much going on just in their relationship and their world. <laughs> then it's thrown into the fact that they think that Peter and MJ are having sex. Then it's thrown into the fact that, no, Spider-Man is being revealed as Peter Parker and there is a helicopter outside watching them all. Like, it's just... And it looked like it was all done in one shot, that mm. that set, that um. I liked scene. Peter's just very, resi- very resigned. He just drops his head and just lifts the blind up. <laughs> ah, it was just... Just like, I can't, I can't anymore. <laughs> it was great. It was mm. great. Okay, so we speed forward a little bit. We're not speeding forward, but we are through the discussion. We go forward and now he's being interrogated by the police and damage control, which you'll recall from the first Spider-Man homecoming film. Mm. You remember them? Yep. Yep. Why? Because they're a pain. That is who Adrian Toomes, the vulture, was working for. Mm. Well, not working for, but that's who Did shut it? him down. Yeah, I was going to say, he wasn't working for him. He shut no, down no. his sight. Yes, they shut down his sight. So they made another appearance again. I think that's like their third. I think they appeared in Civil War as well. I'm not a hundo on that one. Mm. But with everything going on, and at this point in the film... He is still tethered to the Stark name, the yeah. Stark tech. Yep. Where is Pepper Potts? Grieving. Understandably, <laughs> I'm still grieving. But you think when Peter well, I mean- was such a... After the events of Homecoming, where Peter... Peter was, Peter was important to Tony... Yeah, and by but, that vicarity, shouldn't Pepper Potts care about Peter to some degree? To some degree, but she never really knew him. Well, she didn't have to know him. She just knew that Pete, uh, that Stark was fond of him. Tony was fond of him. Why wouldn't she be like, oh, hang on, I'm still connected to Stark Industries as well. Should probably check in on this. You're telling me Happy didn't contact her? Well, what Hell, could, Happy's hiding up some what, what of Stark could, tech in his in his in his loft in his apartment. <laughs> well, on the flip side of that, what could she have really done? I don't know. She apart could from stepped... apart from hire a better lawyer, there's not really much hey, she could have done. Hey, no, he's a really good lawyer. <laughs> he is a really good lawyer. But you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if you've got this big canvas that you've established across all the films. Yeah, it just seemed... It struck think, me as odd. I think, I think there were enough people in this film. Oh, there was plenty. But I'm just saying it struck <laughs> me as odd that Pepper Potts didn't step in. Or you didn't even get a, like a, a, a throwaway line of Happy going, I've reached out to Pepper. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard back. Like, just something. Just to say, okay, yeah, she's aware of I think of if that situation. line had been in there, that would have annoyed people more than her not being mentioned. Yeah, probably. It's still <laughs> something. All right. Doctor Strange... Um, Doctor Strange shows up. We see Doctor Strange because Peter has like this moment. It's this epiphany where he's like, ah, I could go see the wizard and the wizard (laughs) will help me. And I liked it that he genuinely tried to help him. I was expecting him to be really like, uh, no, get out of here, kid. Yeah. Like at first, like the trailer indicated that he was all on board and showcasing Doctor Strange's hubris, which Mm. is a big part of the character and a big flaw of the character as well. So I liked that they they uh, accentuated that, but I uh, really thought Doctor Strange would have dug his heels in when Peter started messing with the spell and being like, no, enough's enough, done, see you later, bye. 
He did. He told him to stop talking. He did, but (laughs) even after that, even when everything screwed up, and as it was pointed out, Doctor Strange is partly guilty for it as well, he (laughs) honestly, genuinely tried to help Peter. Hmm. Trying to fill that um, that father-like, not father-like role, but mental-like role that Tony has left. Not, not directly, not on purpose, just sort of stepping into the role inadvertently. I sort of got the impression that he helped him because he thought he was out of options. Strange was out of options or... No, Peter. Um... Because remember, he says to him at the end, surely you've tried everything. Surely you've called them. Surely you've done this and done that. And Peter's like, wait, what? I can do that? <laughs> What part are you talking about? When Strange is talking to Peter. At the end. No, after the they've just boggled the spell. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you call the school? Like, yeah, yes, he realises that most extreme... rather than doing everything possible and then coming to Doctor Strange, he's come to Doctor Strange first. Yeah. So I sort of got the impression that Strange was helping him because he assumed he'd tried everything oh, else. Yeah, like I he mean, was at the end of yeah. his rope. Yep, yep, yep. You're right. You are hundo on that one. Uh... That's showing how naive and how much of a kid Peter still is. Yeah, I know that. I mean, the whole three films have been built around Peter being a kid. Even the Avengers films that he's appeared in and Civil War is about him being a kid and not understanding the consequences of his actions. Yeah, I know that. stepping into the boots of being a hero and what he will become. I understand that. But what I was saying was I see a parallel between, and I know it's on a different scale, between when Doctor Strange came to Mother Superior? Mother Superior? What was her name? Sorceress Supreme. Sorceress Supreme, that one, yes. When he came to Sorceress Supreme and Peter coming to him. I see a parallel there. I see, you know, someone needing help because they have no other option, uh, that sort of a thing. Okay. And right. Strange reacting to that because he was in, again, to a different degree. Yeah. Yeah. But a similar situation. We saw the exact same outcome, but came at it from different points of view. You saw the parallel, which I completely agree with. I saw the hubris of Doctor Strange, where it's like, yeah, I can do that. And Wong is telling him, like, no, you've done that. Don't do do it. that. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, no, that's fine. I won't do it. I can do it. I won't do it, but I can do it. I can do it. Let's do it. Come on. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of Wong and the Sorcerer Supreme... Yes. Wong was the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> With the blip happening in the MCU canon, five years have passed, Doctor Strange wasn't around, Wong was the next in line and he became the Sorcerer Supreme. I think I'd find that a bit annoying for Doctor Strange. I mean, especially if you remember about everything that Sorcerer Supreme talked about, how Doctor Strange is supposed to be their best. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense he's supposed to be in a position of power. And he, in a way, sort of tricked the timeline into following this path. And he comes back to find that he doesn't have his job anymore. <laughs> he's well, just I don't a regular he... old sorcerer. Was he ever the Sorcerer Supreme? Yeah, he was. Was he? I, I don't assume he was. Being... I assume that he took over that role when she passed away. Oh, maybe. Because isn't I have it... to go back and The Sorcerer it. Supreme is the one that guards the Time Stone. Oh, yeah. And he was guarding it. Therefore, yeah, he was okay. Sorcerer Supreme. You got me. I think you're right. I, I don't recall them ever dubbing him. No, I don't the recall Sorcerer them dubbing Supreme. him, but it's an a, assumed title. Either way, just a quick little side note about Wong. 
For those who haven't seen Shang-Chi you yet, mention Yeah, I want to mention this just because <laughs> when you see Shang-Chi, you're like, oh, cool, Wong, yeah, he's having fun. He's having a great old time gambling and getting into fights and whatnot. Connect that to what we now know as Wong is the Sorcerer <laughs> Supreme. That's what he's doing during his downtime, gambling, beating up monsters, and reaping reward, and you know, I think he money. should like come back through the portal, and Doctor Strange is just standing there. We need to have a talk, young man. I don't even want that. I just want <laughs> more karaoke with Wong. <laughs> just it was, it was good. Like even at the end of Shang Chi, like Wong is the one standing there with him, not yeah, it's true. Strange. He's the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, like you don't. When you saw that in Shang-Chi, you just go, oh, okay, I guess because Strange has sent him off to do it. But When Shang-Chi came out before or after Spider-Man? Shang-Chi came out before Spider-Man. But the movie took, like, the the timeline of Shang-Chi took place after the blip. Everyone has returned. Yeah, no. So this is around the... Around it's the same somewhere time. between No Way Home and Far From Home. That's sort of where I'm putting it. I don't know for certain. Okay, so if you'd seen him in order, you would have seen Shang-Chi and gone, what the hell, and then seen Spider-Man and gone, oh, he's in charge. That makes more sense. Well, that's what I was saying. Even oh, watching okay. Shang-Chi, you didn't uh, make that connection. As I said, I just assumed uh, Doc Strange was just like, go get these guys. No. They're Asian, they're Asian, go get them. I don't know. Racism. Uh, let's jump ahead to the more exciting stuff. Yeah. Doc Ock. Like, there is, <laughs> the trailer spoiled it, and I Your don't like trailers for that was reason. the funniest thing. But there was no build-up. The no, whole time, the focus was on Peter, and the only thing we got was... It was a rumble. A rumble? He's Spider T- he's Peter Tingle, whatever they call it, going off. His Spidey <laughs> sense going off. And then boom, Doc is there. Like the arms, everything. Uh, it was just as I said, it was spoiled <laughs> by the trailer, but it was such a good scene. Like it was so fun and interesting because the last time we saw Doc Ock, he was sacrificing himself. He became somewhat yeah. of a hero in that moment. But he, at the initial appearance in this film, he's back in full swing where he's like, oops, butterfingers and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I agree. I His entrance was epic, but of course, I think my favourite part of that whole scene is when Peter takes control of his arm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was so funny. I expected, I'm watching this. For me, it's very hard to switch off with films because I will... Well, you think, would that actually work? Because his tech would have to be old. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. (laughs) So it's very hard for me to switch off with films because I can't just sit there. I find it very hard to just sit there and enjoy it and just get so enveloped and wrapped up in the film. This was one of those films where I did it for the most part. Mm, There was still a couple of little bits that took me out of it. But the, the subversion, the surprise reveal of... Peter's slash Stark's nanotech taking <laughs> over Doc's arms. <laughs> like that that's that caught me off guard so much. I expected uh I expected something along the lines of the you know how he gets his bionic arms in Spider Man's suit. 
the the claws. I expect him yeah. to slice them off or uh, override them without actually connecting to them. But that was really cool. I really liked the <laughs> fact that he was able to not just stop them and take them out of the fight, but control them. <laughs> that was so cool. I, I I liked how it just kept popping up throughout the movie. Like you just glance and it would just be arm. What did it say? Arms. Arms disabled or something? Something like that. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was really enjoyable. It was just a fun little twist and you could see him sort of mucking around with these. Like, yeah. Hey, I got this. He, he, Peter was enjoying it. He was like, oh, oh, you, you wanted to move that? Well, no. No, I'm moving it now. I'm in control. It's true. It was <laughs> it was good. I liked it. Um, and it was immediately followed by... Immediately followed by Norman Osborn, who I absolutely <laughs> love to this day. I, I love villains and I really loved Willem Dafoe in... Spider-Man with um, Tobey Maguire in this film it didn't miss a beat he didn't miss a beat it was just like he'd gone from one set skipped 20 something years later and mm. stepped into the other one and he did he did it really well it was he was so good and he was even more menacing in this one mm. and oh. you know what I reckon it was because you didn't have that mask on Oh, the um. He's a lot more sinister when you can actually see his oh, face. Oh yeah, like when you can see how crazy he's getting mm. and the amount. Like you of can expression. hear it in the voice, but oh yeah, yep. But you don't get the same chills no. when he's wearing when he's wearing the the mask. No, because when you folk when it's he's got the helmet on. So we're talking about the differences between the Spider-Man film with Sam, uh, Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire, where he wears the Green Goblin outfit and the mask. Compared to this new one, where he does not wear a mask, no, he destroys it. <laughs> it's like the second time we see him, he's arguing with himself again, which I loved from the first film. It was hearkening back to that. Yeah, and but with then the he first one, he actually the argued with and the walks ma- away Yeah, from he it. argued with the mask. Sorry, he argues with the mask. Yeah, I'm just like ah, oh. there was. That's a little another side note. There was so many callbacks and so many references to memes and the past Spider-Man films that got me. Like, they hit me in the nostalgia. They hit me in the feels so hard that I loved it. And it also attributed and helped to me just getting caught up in the film and not predicting what was going to happen and not working it out, which I really thank you for, people who made this movie. <laughs> I, I love Peter just running through his um, Aunt May's work and then just coming to a stop because they're just sitting there drinking tea. Ah, uh, I was <laughs> about was to so say, funny. I want to get to that part. <laughs> Pocketing the donuts. Did you see him do that? Yes, I saw him oh doing my God. that. I He's the was giggling so much to myself at that. It wasn't hilarious. It's just not something you laughter, expect. But internally hilarious. You just see him sitting there and he... Like, the dude obviously was starving because he's just grabbing these donuts and stuffing them in his pockets. And it's just a subtle little thing in the background. It's not a big thing. There's no attention really brought to it. It's just happening. Ah, uh, I loved it. All right. And speaking of... Uh, so he is in his uh, suit, not his spidey suit, but his formal suit. Is that correct? Am I remembering this part right? When? When he goes to see Aunt May at Feast. And he, uh, Norman Osborn's there. Well, he's got to be in his, um, he's got to be in his Stark suit. Because remember, his normal suit's got a stain. Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting at. Was he in his new, I uh, use the air quotes, new black suit with the gold trimming I don't think so I don't so. think he was either no, no. I don't think he, either way let's talk about that suit you go because I have thoughts 
Mego. Yeah. All right. So Spidey's got a new suit for a brief period in the film. His nanotech Spidey armor that he wore in Civil War, uh, not Civil War, sorry, in um, yeah. Infinity War, mm. has partly been removed to protect him from Doc Ock's attack. So he can no longer wear that. Oh, so we just stick something so to it. So he gets his old suit that he wore in Far From Home with the big green gack stain on it from people <laughs> believing Mysterio was right, turns it inside out and starts wearing it. Yeah. And that's his new black and gold suit. <laughs> what did you think? Well, I'll tell you what I thought, because I, you've got nothing. I don't pay attention to the suits the way you do. I pay more attention to what the suits can do than what they actually look like. Okay. Well, my <laughs> point is, uh, Pop Funko, the little pop figures, they have... I've noticed this in recent times, and I've said this to you, and I'm sure people have noticed it, mm. that they release the pop figures before the film comes out. Oh, and I've got my own theory onto that. Why? But I'm not going to go into it at the moment. And in like all the collectibles and the Pop Funkos and the statues and everything that was coming out, they did a big push on this black suited Spider-Man with the gold trimming. Mm. Now, I didn't like it. <laughs> I you, thought it was horrible. But I'm you like, liked it Why? in the film? <laughs> Sorry? But you liked it in the film? I'll get to that. <laughs> I'm like, why are you pushing this? Like Spidey's, Spidey's suit is blue red and, and red. Blue. That's all you need. Blue and red and, you know, some black trimming just to accentuate it. Yep. And why are they going in this direction? I hate this. This is horrible. I mean, oh, it's all magical and mystical looking. Wow. <laughs> Not interested. And now Boy, that was you know, I surprised. And now that you know the story behind it, you like it. No. I, st- I like the, the humor behind it. I don't like the look. I just thought it was cool. I'm just like, oh, I'm such an idiot. That is so much funnier than what I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, he wears the suit. It's inverted. It's inside out. And the gold trimming you see is actually just all the wiring and stuff that was put into the black and red suit that he wore in Far From Home. It was was clever. It was a clever little thing. Speaking of, what was your favorite Spidey suit? So we've only really got three to choose from. I like the one that had the camera stuck to it. So the black and gold one. I just thought that was funny that they did that. Oh, okay. I see. (laughs) And why did they not think they weren't going to get motion sickness watching him swing? I don't know. (laughs) I'm surprised they could see everything that was going on. No, my only comment, which I made, and I actually, now that I've thought about it, it does make sense, is that he has the two suits. He has the fabric one, which obviously he uses just for normal stuff. And then he obviously keeps the... Stark one for the bigger battles. When you say the fabric one, which one are you alluding to? He has a fabric one. All right, well, hang on. Let's break it down. He has a non-Stark tech one where it's just fabric. He has two. I I said three a moment ago. I'm wrong. I'll take that back. We have a couple of suits that he wears in the MCU. So we have the first one he appears in, which is the black and red and blue one, Mm -hmm. which is what he wears for the majority of Homecoming. We have what I'm going to dub his Scarlet Spider outfit, which mm-hmm. those who are a Spidey fan will know who I'm al- what I'm alluding to. But that's the one where he wears like the track suit we see yeah. that he uses to fight the Vulture. Yep. Okay, so we got those two. Yep. Then we've got in Far From Home, he his blue and red suit gets destroyed. Yep. It gets destroyed or gets damaged, something like that. I can't quite remember. And he makes his own new one. 
which is the black and red one. Yep, yep. With the web wings. Yep. Then we go into No Way Home, and he's got his Iron Spidey suit back, which is what he wore in Infinity War. Yep. Then he's got his black and gold one, which is his red and black one inside out. The one he made, yep. And then we get his black and red suit with nanotech slammed onto it, which gives him, like, the big gold spider across his torso, which is for the end of the film. Oh, okay. So wasn't he wearing one at the end of the film that was, like, blue and shimmery? Okay, and then we get to the end of the film. Mm Mm-hmm where he physically makes his own with a sewing kit. And that is the bright red... Uh, the bright red... The bright red and blue classic Spidey outfit with the okay. big fat spider on the back and everything. You only saw it for like a couple of seconds because he's swinging through the city, but yeah. it looked cool. Sans that one, because I believe that will be the most popular one for a lot of people because it is mm. the truest form of a Spidey suit. What was your favourite one out of the ones I just listed? I like the new shimmery one. The one at the very end? Yeah. Okay, so that's the one I said. I like... Except for that one. (laughs) Which one? I like the one he wore in the Infinity War. So you like the Iron Spidey suit? Yep. Okay, cool. Well, that took longer to get out of you than I thought. (laughs) So we're moving on to Electro. (laughs) Yay or nay? Yay. Correct. He was better in this one. He was a lot better in this one. I... Dig Electro. He's had time to get used to his powers and they've settled under his skin. Well, this Electro was a whole (laughs) new Electro. He wasn't the blue Smurf. He was... Yes, because they do actually listen to you when the the people who watch the movie say, that was crap. Well, it was. It was was the whole point. (laughs) It was terrible. Anyway. I mean... Anyway. They gave him a cool suit and a new power source and a funny helmet. They did. Like, they really... They really worked on making Electro awesome. I like Electro because electric powers. And I'm you big like on electric powers electric and lightning powers. and... Sorry? You like things with electric powers. I do. But the look, the added... Like, he was a whole new character from the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Still the same sort I think... of character, but the way he carried himself, spoke, acted... Like I think... He was... I think because in this one he came across as a villain... Yeah. Whereas in The Amazing Spider-Man, he came across more of a victim. Okay. I'd agree with you on that to an extent. He came across as a victim and a lab experiment. True. Whereas in this one, as I said, it seems more like he's settled into the role and he's he's a villain. He likes being a villain. Okay. That's fair. Uh, I really liked that they made him seem more powerful this time around and he very clearly wants to stay in the MCU like the whole time we're going to get you guys oh, so we should probably say Peter goes around rounds up all the bad guys that have come into the universe they've come into our universe or Tom Holland's universe because they know who Spider-Man is the whole point of the spell was to make everyone forget that Peter Parker was Spider-Man but the ramification of that because Peter kept screwing it up with Doctor Strange was that everyone who knew who Spider-Man was was brought into our universe. So that's why the villains showed up. And the whole time, Electro's just like, I like it here. 
<laughs> this place has got a really cool feel about it. I like it. Yeah, because he's talking about the arc reactor. He, well, not just that. Like, he says that before he even knows about the arc reactor. No, but he. I assumed that was all subtle. I assumed that was him implying that he could sense there was something here that he liked. Probably. I didn't draw that conclusion that he was sensing the arc reactor, but I felt that... Uh, he, he obviously didn't know what it was, but he could he senses electricity, right, and power sources? I guess. I chalked it up to him just going, this place has a different energy about it. Yeah, well, yeah. But I Not necessarily he's... what or an object. It just has a different energy about it. I like it. I feel comfortable here. Yeah, or it's well... a new taste or whatever. Yeah, well, I got that, but I assumed he was specifically talking about an energy source. Who knows? We can hmm. both be right. We can both be wrong. <laughs> All right. Now Something he the... could sink his teeth into. Now we get to the part of the film where A-Game now knows who this person is. The Sandman. Sandman. Flint Marco. What did you think? Poor, poor man. All right. Ignoring the events of Spider-Man 3, what did you think in this film of him? Um, He's very up and down. Because the first scene, he's trying to help Peter... And then hey, in the end of the, in the end of the, in the end Let's of the go. film, he's against Peter. It just he was very up and down. Oh yeah, but that's because um, all right in the comic books, Flint Marco is very simple-minded. He's not super intelligent. He's very much a one a one-track mind kind of guy. Yeah, like, no. it, it, I know. I understood that his only thought was the daughter. Well, yeah, in this film, they give him the motivation of he just wants to go home to see his daughter because that's all he cares about. Mm. And then when it's, oh, you're not going to go home and see your daughter, it's, well, then I'm just going to, you know, make the people pay for bringing me here. Like, that's that's his whole character arc right there, I guess. Mm. I thought it was cool. It was nice I was, to have him included, I was happy but... that... I, liked, I, of course, liked his end. I was happy that he was fixed. And I'm hoping that when he goes back, I mean... He's still a criminal, but now he's not a monster, so maybe he can see his daughter. So in the end of Spider-Man 3, he sort of just disappears. Like he's, ah, oh, I'm dust in the wind, see you later, bye. Yeah. Because he doesn't die. The the tr- the gimmick, or not the gimmick, the thing is that all these villains that have turned up, we, we, we know, know they're, they're that dead. they work out that they have arrived just before they die. But of course, Sandman never died. So maybe he was just living out in the deserts. I don't know. Biting time. I don't know. Either way, what did you think about that? Did you think it was cool or did you like, eh, whatever? Because they were... Do you like the idea that they were whisked away at the moment just before their death? Well, I mean, it makes sense. Because if he pulled them from any other point, that has continuity problems. Yeah, that this... Yeah, I've got to give it to them. I don't have the answer. I would have liked it if they had been plucked from before their death, but whilst they were a villain and whilst they were fighting Spider-Man. Well, I suppose that, that doesn't make sense problems. either, if you think about it, in terms of Doc Ock. No, because he didn't know until just before the end. Brilliant, but lazy. <laughs> no, but I mean, when he died, hadn't he taken back control of his arms and was being a good guy? What? When he died, he'd taken back control of his arms and destroyed or pulled his device into the water the so that it wouldn't reactor. take out the sea. Oh, you're talking in... Um, yes, I'm Toby talking Maguire. his okay. death. 
So um, if he was plucked from that moment, why is he evil when he arrives? No, he was. Pl- they're all plucked just before their death. I'm not. I don't think it's l- like the moment before they die. I think it's the moments leading up to their death. Hmm. Because if you think about if. All right, let's take Green Goblin for example. But this question opens a lot of questions. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to think about it too think hard about because it, it will unravel. If you think about it, if, if I was going to say, if, if you think about it, if they've been all of a sudden plucked and put here, they all sort of just go after Spider-Man without thinking about it. That's because they're drawn to him. Yeah, I know, but if they forces. thought about it, they'd sort of go, how did I get here? I was doing something else. Why am I all of a sudden here? Well, that's correct. <laughs> So, yeah, so really, it is definitely... It's... They don't know about it till they think about it. You don't pull too much, otherwise <laughs> it will unravel, all right? That's don't the... think it, don't question it too much. That's right. Just think how cool it was that they showed up and this act, this feat of universal proportions has been pulled off. Very nicely done. Um, okay, my next point, Daredevil, we already spoke about that. Yay! We haven't gotten to the best favourite moment. Yeah, I've got a long list. It's I've just we haven't around. talking about the best part. We haven't talking about. Yes, we haven't talked about the best part yet. All right, what is the best part? The best part, if you go by the audience reaction, is when Tobey Maguire appears on the screen. That's right. <laughs> because everyone in the cinema started cheering. That's right. <laughs> because everyone and- knows that Tobey Maguire was a really popular Spider-Man. <laughs> And I, they, they obviously did that on purpose because Andrew Garfield appeared first. <laughs> yeah, this, I've got it later on. I can't remember where my point is. It's all just becoming jumbled now. But they did a really good job of selling Andrew Garfield Spidey. Take him away from that crappy story and that crappy universe where Sony had control of everything. Put him in an MCU-inspired universe and written in such a way he becomes a really enjoyable character and I did not expect that because I didn't like Andrew Garfield <laughs> as Spider-Man I just like that whole scene where MJ's just ordering him to crawl across the roof and then when he does Ned's, prove it. Ned's uh, aunt or whatever or grandmother is like can you just get those cobwebs in the corner <laughs> prove it prove it he's just hanging off the ceiling with one arm he's like I, I think this is enough no prove it this is enough <laughs> This is... <laughs> like, no, crawl across the roof, dude. It was good. I, as I said, I really... Tobey Maguire was nothing but pure nostalgia, nostalgia and feels for me. Like, his arrival and the music that accompanied it, it hit me. And it, it brought out joy. Tears of joy. Andrew Garfield, I winced at initially because I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm not going to enjoy this part of it. But they did a great job of selling him to me. And so much so that I want to go back and watch The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. And I don't think you should. I think you his... should just hold on to that feeling. Well, that's the other part of it. <laughs> because I'm... I know you. You'll watch them. The first wisecrack he makes, you'll be like, nope, I'm out. Not Peter Parker. No, no, no. See, I've said this. I think I've said it to you as well. To, to me, and it's only to me. To- uh, Toby Maguire did a really good Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Okay, take out the emo and take out the crying and the bully Maguire. Just, just the character. I felt he did a good job. 
Yeah. Then you go to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I hated him as Peter Parker, but as Spider-Man, not too bad. Okay. More accurate to the comics than Tobey Maguire's. Then you get to Tom Holland, and I think Tom Holland is a nice balance between the two. Although he's not very quippy, he's more meme and internet joke driven, which I think is just a sign of the times. He's he's a a child of today's modern era. Instead of making snarky one-liners and quips and jokes... It's more Maybe he'll start making those when he enters his 20s. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe when he's not a teenager no more. I don't know. But, um, okay, so we've got all the Spider-Man showing up and how they've got their orche- the you know their orchestral backing to them. That was really good. Um, <laughs> well, why did Andrew Garfield have to prove it and Tobey Maguire didn't? <laughs> he wasn't even wearing the suit. Because by that time, they're just like, okay... This makes sense. It makes sense. We're looking for our Peter. We found another Peter who has spider powers. And then this Peter showed up. We're sold. That or they'd obviously seen Spider-Man. And they're just like, oh my God. Um, What else? All right. So we've got... So by that point, what are we doing? No, we've jumped ahead. By that point, when all the Spider-Men arrive, Peter is already devastated. Yeah. He's absolutely crushed because... Because it happened. Yeah. It happened. Continuity. He doesn't have an uncle, so it had to be the aunt. Did he, though? I don't recall him. And I mean, is is she actually his aunt? Yeah. She is. Okay, so he's not just a child that she's taken in. No, no, no. Okay. So I was trying to piece this together and I don't know if I'm correct or not. I have nothing to back it up because I haven't had time to do the research. But I think in Far From Home, mm-hmm. he uses a suitcase and Aunt May reference it as, references it as it was your uncle's. Okay, so he I had think- an uncle, but assumedly the uncle has died or left. When he was I, little, when he was a child, yeah. So this because is, he doesn't he doesn't have any sort of traumas that he ever talks about. No, so we'll get to we'll get to that bit in a second because I want to. I, otherwise, I'm jumping all over the place with my notes here <laughs> and I'm losing my point. Okay, so Spidey has rounded up all the bad guys. He's now trying to help them all, and then all of a sudden, and it would have worked sense. if it wasn't for the ultimate bad guy. Yeah, and then his Spidey sense goes off. Like, that was really cool. I loved that bit. That was awesome. That There was so much tension going on. Like, who is it? Is it Electro? Is, is he Is he going to rip the power battery arc juice sucker thing off? Is it Norman Osborn? Like, is he about to turn evil again? Has he been playing us the whole time? Doc Ock just had that microchip put in. Is he about to... Is he about to just go crazy again? Like, mm. it was so good. And it gave us an insight into what it's like for him because we haven't I mean we've seen it but for Peter he's still learning what this Peter Tingle is (laughs) stop calling it that (laughs) like he doesn't fully know what it is but that showed it like something's wrong and he doesn't know what and he's walking around and he's looking everywhere and he's taking it all in until instantly he knows and he goes bang Mm. like reflect uh, not reflective Reflexive action. Reflexive action. 
I don't even know if that's a term or a word, but either way, he yeah, instinctually is. reacts. That's what I'm trying to say, which yeah. is a form of his spidey sense. We see that when um, he fights Doctor Strange. Yep. Gets knocked out of his body and his body reacts. Yeah, his body itself. just rea- reacts on its own. Yeah. So we're getting hints and insights into his spidey sense. We know what it is. He doesn't. It was really cool to see that moment. Yeah. To be felt, to, you know, get into it. Um, What else? Yeah, I jumped way up. My notes have jumped all over the place now. <laughs> all right, let's go back to the Uncle Ben bit. So the Spider-Men show up. They go, and we get all the references and everything, all the heartfelt moments. They track down Tom. Uh, or Peter 1. They ended up Peter dubbing one. each other. Peter 1 is Tom. Peter 2 is Toby. Toby. And Peter 3 is Andrew, Andrew. Because he didn't get a third one. So he gets called Peter. He gets called Peter 3, which I really liked. Um, so they're, sit- they're all sitting around and they're grieving. Like they're comforting Peter 1. And he's like, I lost my aunt. Because Aunt Man died. Uh, aunt Man Aunt May, Aunt May, there we go. Aunt May. Aunt May died because back in the hotel room uh, where Peter was trying to help everyone, uh, sorry, not the hotel room, in Happy Hogan's apartment, Norman's the one who's been tricking everyone. It's actually Green Goblin in full control. And chaos just erupts. Like he just, he uh, just completely destroys the apartment building, taking on Peter. Doc Ock escapes electro rips the battery thing off and, and just decides no i want this cool new power I'm the tasting. lizard who i didn't even know appeared in this film like he was he's in the trailers but i never bothered noticing uh he takes off sandman erupts and starts taking on uh the police and everything ultimate conclusion is aunt may dies and green goblin the kills words. her and she, yeah, she says not just a portion of it, she says the whole thing as well. Yep. It is really cool. Uh, but she dies. I didn't even know until she stood up. Yeah. Uh, like, again, I was so sucked in and so captivated by this film that I did not realize that she was dying. When I thought she, she was when, going to, but then she, she stood stu- up and I'm like, oh, everything's fine. When oh, she good. stood up and she said she just needed to brush it off, I was like, no way. You just got hit by the glider. That's what I you thought. You can't be okay. But yeah. That's what but I thought. They did, and then they fooled us for a second. Oh, uh, for a split second, yeah, they got me. And then I'm like, oh, of course this had Dang, to happen. Dang, this is going to happen. Um, so she dies. And they're all And once again, the words other. work. Yeah, they're all consoling each other. And we learn. This is tying back to Uncle Ben, I promise. Peter one says, I lost my aunt, Aunt May. The other two are like, oh shit, because they know how important. They try and comfort her. Sorry, comfort him. (laughs) And Toby says, I lost my Uncle Ben, which is, you know, staple. That's what happened for most Spider-Man stories. He lost his Uncle Ben. Mm. Andrew Garfield, he says he lost Gwen Stacy. And I get it. But at the same time, you're like, there is no mention of Uncle Ben for you whatsoever. Okay. I think I think that gets mentioned because for Andrew that's still quite recent. Yeah, they make that they make it known that that happened recently. He went through a dark phase, but he came out on the other side of it. So it's either picked up just at the end of the, the Amazing Spider-Man film 
the Amazing Spider-Man 2 film or it's, you know, a little while later. Because I was assuming that time has passed for them in relation to how long it's been since the movies came out. You think that? Yeah. I think for Tobey Maguire, yeah. Well, it would make sense for Andrew Garfield. When did The Amazing Spider-Man 2 come out? It was only a couple of years ago. Uh, Would have been early 2010s. Had to have been. Okay, Okay. maybe not for that one. I I was assuming it had been a couple of years since Andrew Garfield's movie. But yeah, definitely for Tobey Maguire. I'm assuming that the time has passed since the third to present day. Because didn't he say... Did he say he had kids? Well... Or did he just say he was married? Well, it was alluded to. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. All right, so Uncle Ben's died for Toby. Um, Aunt May's died for Tom. And Gwen Stacy died for for Andrew. Okay, then we got what? We got the final act, really. We're, we're already in the final act. The Statue of Liberty has got a, a shield <laughs> on it. Um, that was cool. That was also alluded to in Hawkeye. Uh, the shield is Captain America, obviously. Yay! <laughs> Lady Liberty has been replaced by Captain America. Yep. Uh, what else? I've just got random notes here now. The Avengers? That's great! <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> For me, that really got me. I, I really still, liked that. I still like... One of the funniest thing, scenes I still think is when uh, Tobey Maguire realises the other two don't have webbing in their wrists. Oh, Yeah. Because they're, like, getting cartridges, and he's like, what the hell are they? And then he just, like, shoots a web, and they're like, that came out of your arm! And he's like, you guys can't do that? It was good. <laughs> like, it was really good. But they... It was a cute little scene. Like, you didn't need to elaborate on it the way they did. No. But that little scene there, I was like, yes! Funny! Well, it gave him a bit of a, a, a refresher for the audience. Nostalgia for those who followed that Spider-Man. Mm. Or their Spider-Man, however you want to word it. And it gave um, Peter, Peter One, a bit of a, a brotherly moment where he's not alone, that there is, you know, he does have help out there, which mm. I liked. I don't think it'll ever happen again. I don't know if I want it to happen again, but it was cool. I, I really liked it. But that's because I really liked Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man trilogy for nostalgia. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there were so many... like. So many references, so many callbacks. I love the Avengers bit. I love the, say it, you're amazing. You're amazing, <laughs> say it. I love the my back bit. Um, I love the whole Peter going, look, I've worked on a team. I've worked with the Avengers. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, in charge here. You do what I tell you. The, the power of the <laughs> Follow sun. Follow my lead. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand. I'm something of a scientist myself. I loved all those references, yeah. all those memes. I loved... The pointing thing, like, there was so many, so many little nods and winks and references and Easter eggs to a Spidey fan or people who have seen the previous films. It was really, That's, really yeah. good. There was a lot, a lot of cohesion here. This this whole film just works. It does. Every part of it works. There is not one bit that you can sort of pull it apart and go, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. Unless you start focusing on when did they die. Yeah, don't look at that bit. Don't look um, at that bit. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got... Oh, oh, a big moment. Big, big, big oh, moment. Was Andrew Garfield's redemption. Yes. I'm yes. calling it the redemption moment for me because... It's, that's 
that's what it was for me. I mean, yes, in the story, that's what happened. Spidey did save Gwen Stacy, but in saving her, he killed her. That mm. That's a defining moment of that character. So to see that happen in this film and have him succeed and have him get emotional, it was really interesting, really engaging, and really heartfelt for the character. It It does show that, number one... He's obviously learning, but that number two, it he can come out of that dark place now. Yeah, he gets his, he, he can, gets his he cathartic can, conclusion. Yeah, he uh, can put com- that mistake closure. to rest and move on. Yeah, I liked it. Um, we also got you know uh, Peter one beating the shit out of Norman Osborn to the point where he's going <laughs> to kill him, and then uh, Peter two Toby steps in and goes no. And I don't know if you picked up on this one. I did. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man doesn't kill. Ah. Aunt May yeah, I think I did at the time. At the time, I didn't think much of it. But then in reflecting upon it, and then especially watching Spider-Man 3, I'm like, oh, oh, he's hearkening back to that. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Um, I liked the little scenes with each of the um, the bad guys after they were cured. What do you mean? Well, because each one of them, who whoever threw the the cure, their their Peter comes and oh, speaks to them. Okay, yep, yep, yep. I, I liked gotcha. those little scenes. Hey, hey, was it? Hey, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Is that yeah. when he's bleeding on the ground? So I'm trying to remember. So we've got Electro, who's who sees. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield and comments that he thought he was black. Yeah, which is obviously a wink and a nod to Miles, Miles yep. Morales, and the Spider-Verse, which I'm hoping something comes of that. And Andrew spoke to the the Doc lizard, the lizard. lizard guy as well, didn't Did he? he? I don't remember. I don't remember that either. Like, the lizard just really because in, did in not the, play on my radar for this In film. The Amazing Spider-Man, when the lizard is cured, Andrew's there. Yeah. The first time. Okay. So... That doesn't really need to be seen because that has been seen. Yep. But I liked Tobey Maguire being there for Sandman when he was cured. That was nice. Yeah, is it just me? Like, there's a bit in the in the it's a bit in the film where they show Flint Marco, yeah. not as a Sandman but as the person, and it looked really CGI, like copied and pasted from the previous Spider-Man film when he was. When he's in the Statue of Liberty. Oh. No, no I don't think so. I'll, I'll be interested to have a look at that, because I know which part I'm talking about. I, I can see what you're shot. seeing, but I think that might just be lighting and depth perception. Maybe. Um, okay, so we all got a bit of closure into it. Doc Ock got the redemption of being a hero, which is really all he wanted. Uh, yes, it is self-gratifying, but it's all he sets mm. out for. Um, Norman is... He's gotten rid of the Green Goblin. Um, Electro, Sandman, Lizard, yep. They all got to defeat their villains. Uh, we get to... Alright, so you mentioned a moment ago that Toby has a child. Yes. I'm... Because they said to him, like, oh, do you have someone? He goes, eh, it, it was complicated. It was complicated. I'm assuming that's because of the events of um, Spider-Man Three, and then maybe they had a kid. I, I think I'd like to think that. Well, he because did. A, a lot of the and I, again, I have not read many. A lot of the blurbs on comic books that I've read 
for Spider-Man, there's quite a few stories where he and MJ have a daughter. Ah, uh, we could go down this rabbit hole, but it would take a while. In, it, short, is, in comic book lore, how common is that? Very uncommon. Well, there you go. So I'm basing... <laughs> no, common. It is. No, it's very uncommon. Okay. Right, so in one universe... I just assumed, had, given his age and the fact that he said it was complicated, that he meant he had family. Yeah. That was more just my assumption. I believe so. And I'm hoping that's a, a wink and a nod to Mayday Parker, who yeah. was the daughter of MJ and Spider-Man in one universe. Okay. Then in um, another one, more recent, um, there is another one where they have a daughter and she's called Annie May Parker. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think that is like, did Toby, sorry, did um Spidey and MJ have a kid? Probably. We don't know who or what. It's mm. just a sort of a wink and a nod to that, to that idea. Uh, we mentioned that. Uh, so the other thing that's just popped dark. into my head. Go on. You know how we said we shouldn't think about them being yanked at the time of death very yeah. much. We probably also shouldn't think about them being put back. Yeah, I know. Right? Because Norman Osborn went all back, didn't and they he? Go back and die. So if Norman Osborn goes back, that completely changes. Uh, Toby's history. Yeah. Like I've the whole thing with here. Harry wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I've got that note here. Uh, he might still have the Doc Ock and that stuff, and maybe even the Venom stuff, but he wouldn't have the story with Harry as Harry is a villain. No. it's None um, of that would have happened. So that, yeah. <laughs> the thing as with... nice as it was, they saved them. No, the thing with this <laughs> film, and I think it's... A, I, I applaud the film Parallel for this universe. Job. Problem solved. No, not that. It just creates I mean, yes. a parallel universe. Yes. There's <laughs> infinite. All right. Spider-Man forever. Spider-Man. So and... when they get sent back, that just creates a shoot-off timeline thingy. A time like, breach? F- like from Loki. Yeah, yeah. that. Um, the thing I really applaud this film for doing is it does an excellent job of showing, even though these Spidey villains have insane powers... They're not super villains. They're just villains. Name, they're a just, su- name a super villain for an example. They're just bad guys who need help. Name a super villain a for super an example. Villain. Okay. Um, Thanos. Keeping it MCU, Thanos. Because logic cannot talk him out of his crazy ideas? Well, when I say super villain, I mean those with powers but are villainous. Okay. All right. Uh, those who have, you know, I've got evil powers, I'm going to use them for my own... Sorry, I've got powers and I'm going to use them for my own benefit. Okay. These guys really... Spider-Man's rogues gallery is really just bad guys who had a bad day. Hmm. Uh, You said it yourself that Electro in the Amazing Spider-Man universe was a victim. He was, yeah. That's basically what Spider-Man's villains are for the most part. I I liked that that film really exemplified and showed... That, that Spidey's villains aren't super villains. They're just bad guys who have had bad luck and do bad things because of it. Hmm. And that, I mean, that message came across from May. Oh yeah, when um, that was that was May's feast. that was yeah. May's whole message. That yeah, you have to help them. You have a responsibility. That, yeah. No, I don't. I send them back. Problem solved. No, you need to help them. 
All right. Um, <laughs> let's start to wrap this up because we're going. We've been this going a lot longer. This movie was awesome. Than... You should all watch it. You should all buy it and watch it on repeat. All right. It's so let's. Funny. It's heartfelt. It has action. It's got everything. Okay. Let's. All right. So everyone forgets about Peter Parker. Yeah, I didn't like the end. That's the one thing I felt really sad. I did as well, but that's that's sort because of like, also... well, this is what you've sowed. Yeah, Peter. I know, I know that, but it also it's not. It's not practical. Why is it not practical? Because he now exists in a world where he was never even born. No, it's not to say he wasn't born. It's no just one the remembers circums- him. There's no, no re- there's no record of him anywhere. His name doesn't exist. No, his name exists. It's just the events as we know them. Yes, there's going to be some tidying up. There has okay, to be. Okay, fine. So, so he does have a paper trail then. I, I assume he was. Okay, born. so he has a paper trail, but everyone who's ever physically come in contact with him doesn't remember him. Correct. So. Or on they paper, remember him, but they don't on, remember that Spe- uh, that Spidey is Peter Parker. Like the, the dis- no, because it the wasn't. Association it wasn't to forget Spider Man. It was to forget Peter Parker. Yeah. So, I can have a piece of paper here that says this man treated him on this day. But if I spoke to that doctor, he'd have no recollection of that appointment. Well, he might. No, he might not. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. As long as there's a paper trail, then you just that's, finished that's saying fine. how the film's really good. Don't look too closely at it. It's fine. It's no, great. No, no, now because, you're looking too closely. No, at because it. The, that was one thing that was confusing me. I was assuming that for everyone to have forgotten Peter Parker, then it was like he had been stripped from the planet. Uh, and I was I, like, how is he supposed to exist? He wouldn't have a paper trail. I don't disagree. I've got okay. it right here that it, right. it's really sad, and to me, that is his trauma to bear. Like that's. Dude, you reaped what you sowed. You went out, you did all this stuff. This is what happened for being naive. At this some is what point, you have to wear now. This is your burden to bear. What some... makes it even sadder is if he has been wiped out of existence in the way that you've spoken of, does he even have a photo of him and Aunt May together? Hmm. I wouldn't think so. It's, Just yeah. memories. All right. Uh,. Ned and MJ are gone. They've been written out. They're done. We will. I doubt we will see them again. Why? Because they're done. They've got nothing to do with Peter Parker. They're going on to university. Oh, I assumed that they'd remember and then smack him. No, I don't think. Because no, not not remember on their own. I was assuming something would happen to jog their memory. Something. No, magical. well, that was the whole thing where Peter went back to the diner and he's like, I will find you. I'll make you remember. He goes yeah, back no, and then I was assuming that circumstances like, would arise where they would be prompted to remember and then they just turn to him and smack him. Don't know. I <laughs> think you are hoping for too much. It made more sense for him to be written out than, oh, we better bring him back in. No, oh, but I like this MJ. I like this Ned. <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> uh, new suit, yeah, we spoke about that. I asked Blue you about your favourite suit. You had no idea what we were talking about. Mm-mm. I don't uh, pay attention to those little details. All right, a couple of little bits and pieces. Uh, there's already been, there's a rumour already floating around mm. that Tom Holland has already signed on to do another three solo Spider-Man films. Cool. Not appearances, but films. Yeah, I, I understand the term. Cool. Um, okay, all the callbacks and references. <laughs> what what villains are left? <laughs> oh, we've got a few. I mean, Craven the Hunter's a big one. Um, we see, we've see we got Venom. 
Yeah. Uh, Venom has been set well, up That's now. been set up, so we're assuming that's going to happen. You've got Kraven the Hunter. You've still got Scorpion floating around if you want to do something with him. You've got Vulture yeah. if you want to do something with him. You've got uh, Kingpin. You've got Tombstone. You've got the Rhino if you want to use him. Okay, all right. That's fine. My, my question was supposed to be funny and rhetorical. I'm just saying. There's still, <laughs> there's still a lot out there. The Chameleon. Um, the Chameleon is... Think espionage, not lizard. We've already had eight Spider-Man films um, with multiple villains. <laughs> all right, I'm not going to bother asking you these questions because they're too involved in <laughs> deep. You won't. You'll just go what? All right, fine. I'll ask you. No, no, past- no, 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 no. You want me to ask you? Let's do it. Are we Aww. past the confusion? Can the average audience goer differentiate between the Spider-Man franchises, the films, the characters, the actors, the stories, etc.? Extrapolate that even further. Batman is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. The Batman. Yeah. This is the fourth or fifth actor we've had playing Batman. Mm-hmm. And this Batman has nothing to do with the Ben Affleck Batman from the Joss Whedon and the Zack Snyder films. Okay. Are the average... Is the average... Average moviegoer, audience, whatever, able to differentiate now? Has this film been able to help them understand that? Are we past that point where it's, oh, Spider-Man, isn't he in the Justice League with Superman and Wolverine? Oh, are you telling me if... You're asking me if the average person knows what's Marvel and knows what's DC? Uh, No, but I'm saying, are we now past that point where people are going in there going, Spider-Man, there was three other films before this one at least. What's this one got to do with it? Like, Are they going to look at Tom Holland and go, oh, that's Spider-Man over here. And he has nothing to do with the other two Spider-Man. Or are they going to look at Spider-Man, Tom Holland over here? Oh, and go, you mean, to, has this, look, has this, this movie actor? drawn lines in the sand? Yes. I think so. Hopefully. I think so. That's a discussion for another day. <laughs> uh, all right. Venom cameo. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Venom made a cameo, which was cool. If you've seen the Venom uh, Let There Be Carnage film, the end credit sequence is he rocks up in the MCU universe, MCU universe briefly. And then gets jolted back excited. but left some behind. I was super excited. That was my favourite part of the whole Venom film. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and then in the end credit sequence of No Way Home, we see it again where Eddie and Venom has still been hanging around in the MCU, but still in Mexico. And then he gets trying to work out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Trying to work out the MCU, learning about Stark and uh, Thanos and everything gets sucked back to the Sony verse or the Venom verse, whatever you want to call it, but leaves a tiny piece of Venom behind, thus leaving it open for a possible Venom in the MCU. Now that I think about it, that doesn't bode well for that bartender. No, it does not. <laughs> Especially seeing as we saw what happened in the first Venom movie, what happens to the people that they host if they aren't compatible. But it needs a host. It's true. All right. Yeah. So, Morbius is coming out. I should, yes. I'm, I'm just going to leave this. This is going to be the end. We're not going to go into this one. I want to see it. Morbius is coming out. I will happily give it a hard pass. I don't care. But is Morbius set up in... The Venomverse, the Sony, the Sony verse, because it is a Sony film. We know that it is set you... up in the Sony verse because it references Spider-Man. 
It calls him a murderer, which I don't quite understand because I thought that was alluding to Tobey Maguire, but possibly not. It could be alluding to Andrew Garfield's actions. And we also see the Vulture, which confuses me even more. Why is the Vulture... Mm. Anyway, forget that one. Throw that one away because that one really confused me and I don't have an answer for it. But in the trailer, he's breaking some guy's hand and the guy's like, ah, who are you? And he's like, I'm Venom. And you're like, what? That means he knows and a Venom. And then he laughs and says, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's your friend um, Dr. Michael Morbius. Oh, go away. He looks better and does, and hopefully will do a better job than he did in <laughs> Suicide Squad, but still. Anyway. I um, would assume so. I think, I think the people making these movies now have learned that continuity can be a help. Oh, yeah. Continuity. So, I People would want continuity. So. They want that structure. They want that this connects to this. I'm happy. My brain has made this connection. Mm. So, I would assume so. I like it. I like continuity. You like continuity? And I think that um, the MCU proves it. Yeah. The MCU proves that people like the continuity. They feel smart. And we can have that <laughs> discussion, but we should table that for another day because that's a cool discussion topic we might get back to one day. <laughs> All right. On this super duper long episode of Shenana Rambles, we was excited. We was excited. And hopefully, you guys were too. We're sorry that. It went for so long, but hopefully you enjoyed it out there. And hopefully you've got <laughs> stuff to say. We're going to wrap it up real quick. My name is Shenanigans. Thank you for joining us here at Shenanigans Rambles. You can find us over on YouTube through Shenanigans Gaming. You can also check out where we play video games and whatnot. We've actually done Spider-Man the DLC from the uh, PlayStation 4 game. So you can go check that out if you're interested. Mm. But I've been Shenanigans. That's a game. Yep. Look after yourselves, guys. And we will, you know... We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Bye.